0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready.
1: Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the world line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if
0: you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with the lead. Golly! Or they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> I can. On, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter, you can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find my co host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are part of an expanding and awesome fantasy network. You can find other podcasts such as Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis of Dr. Rota from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of other great podcasts all on this network. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. And you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. Be sure to check that out. For today's episode, we, Matt and me, Matt, the other Matt, the two Matts, will be doing a breakdown of the Monday Night Football game tonight, Browns versus the New York Jets, at which point we will then transition into breaking down eight of the games tomorrow. Or I'm sorry, my goodness, tomorrow. I wish there were eight games on tomorrow. Give me something to do. Eight of the Sunday football games, at which point on tomorrow's podcast, Tuesday, we will break down the remainder of those games along with the Monday night football game talk about waiver ads and everything like we did last year. So let's get Matt on here, and we can preview some Monday night football. What's going on, Matt? Thank you so much for joining me today. How was your weekend?
1: I mean, it was really good, and then I sat down to watch the last five minutes of Denver's game in Chicago, and it was all downhill from there.
0: Yeah, we, we will definitely get to that game. Uh, it's the last on the docket for today. We, we were talking just a little bit uh, off air here before we started recording, and then I think that you guys got robbed a little bit there, but it was... I mean, overall, it was a really good game, but I'm interested to get your your full breakdown and and analysis of that game when we get to it.
1: Yep, should be a a fun one. It's always nice when you're just starting to recover and you listen to NFL Morning Drive and both the guys say that it was a phantom second put back on the clock and Denver got screwed, and I'm thinking, well, I'm on my way to work and I'm angry all over again.
0: (laughs) Well, I'd say, you know, Welcome, I can't say welcome to being a Browns fan, but I understand exactly how you feel for my entire life, pretty much, and, and especially last week as well, because... The, the hype that I had going into week one was just, uh, um, I mean, you know, you've talked to me now. We've been talking throughout at least week three of the preseason how excited we were for week one. I honestly thought there was no shot that the Titans were going to beat the Browns. So when that beating happened last week, I was, uh, I mean, there were a lot of bad thoughts going through my head. So I'm hoping tonight is going to be much different. And with that being said, let's go ahead and preview the game of the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets.
1: We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that.
0: So it is week two, final game of week two. You got the Cleveland Browns going into MetLife Met Stadium to play the New York Jets. On the Brown side of things, you got to imagine, and I'm going to get your opinion on this first, or I'll ask your opinion on it. I would imagine, at least in my thoughts, Baker, Odell, Chubb all have bounce-back games here. While, while Baker was probably the only out of those three that had a bad game week one, still put up some points just due to the amount of throwing that he had to do in that game, but obviously limited to just one touchdown in that game. Odell still had a decent game week one, uh, and Chubb same Chubb probably would have scored. It would have been a really good week for him, but both had decent games. Your thoughts on them bouncing back and finishing? Let's go top 12-ish, where we expected these three to be when the season ends tonight against the Jets.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of them had a terrible game week 1, but <clears throat> most for the most part they were all just okay. I when I was writing the preview this morning I expect they're going to bounce back. This is a game a couple weeks ago we would have been really psyched about. I thought the Browns and Jets were both potentially playoff teams. I thought both were going to win in week one, both lost. And For the Jets coming in tonight, once C.J. Mosley and Quinnen Williams went out in week one, it was a very different game for Buffalo. They found a lot more space to operate, so I expect with them out all game, the Browns are going to do really well, I think. Baker, OBJ, Chubb, they're all starts. Landry, probably a decent start at flex. And then Juco, to me, is going to be the same as what he is all season, probably a boomer-bust tight end in a position that's kind of a boomer-bust position, as we've seen. Yeah, I mean,
0: you just touched on it right there. I do think that uh, the Jets, and we'll we'll touch more on them in a minute, but the big keys here defensively, C.J. Mosley, Quinn, and Williams being out. I think Mosley... That's huge for Landry and Njoku coming across the middle there, mostly likely being matched up against one of those two uh, on different plays. And then obviously that really helps Chubb not having that big guy up front and then probably one of the best linebackers in the business calling plays back there and also running at him. So I do think that does speak well for them which will hopefully in return help Baker out as well. I am still a little worried about this game. Maybe it's the fact that I feel a lot like week one right now and everybody talking about there's no way the Browns lose this game. Uh, I could still see it happening. This defense is still good. I, I do think their secondary is a little bit questionable as well. But, I mean, nobody was really talking about the Titans defense, and, and look what they did. So I am a little bit yeah. worried about it, but I do agree that I, I would imagine all three of them bounce back, have very good games. Landry, I think, is an easy flex start, and I do think Joku can have a good game as well. On the Jet side, we did talk about, obviously, C.J. Mosley, Quinn, and Williams being out. Also, no Sam Darnold. He has mono. Now, we both talked about this uh, about last week when the, when the news first came out. It looks like it's pretty much been confirmed he's not coming back till week five. They have an ex- Exactly said that, but it looks like that's where it's leading, if that. There there are still some thoughts that he might not even come back that early. So what are your thoughts on what this means for the offense? Uh, You know, really outside of Bell and Crowder, do you think anybody else is startable? And how much do you think this affects their fantasy value, not just tonight, but moving forward as well?
1: I think everybody on the Jets takes a hit, but Bell, um, you know, the biggest concern with him has to be they said the MRI was precautionary and they found nothing wrong, but it's a little bit of a red flag to me that they've already had some concerns about his injury uh, with his shoulder, so that bear's watching. He took every offensive snap in week one, so obviously kind of showing his durability. didn't have a ton to show for it. I didn't think uh, they had the greatest blocking. Buffalo obviously has a pretty... Stout defense, so be curious to see how they match up. I don't think the front of Cleveland are any slouches either, but I like Bell as a dump-off receiver. I like Crowder as a dump-off receiver. To me, Robbie Anderson is unplayable. The only other person who I could see having a decent game is Demarius Thomas, which sounds weird because he's new to the Jets, but the starting quarterback he gets, Trevor Simeon, is a guy that he played with for years in Denver, so they're going to come in with an already built-in rapport that I think will help them. Whereas, you know, if Robbie Anderson was having trouble having any value last week with Darnold, I think he has zero value now. If you were waiting to start him, I hope you have another option.
0: Yeah, so let's 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 talk a little bit about Trevor Simeon here. You you got to see a lot of him. He was the quarterback in Denver, obviously, for a couple of years there and, and had them at an 8-4 and four record at one point. Some would argue that that might have been the fact that Broncos' defense was at its high point at that point. Uh, but Trevor Simeon, if I can remember correctly, did have a lot of good games in there. So what are you expecting out of Trevor Simeon tonight with this Jets team?
1: you know he's fine he's a good journeyman backup i think the role that he's in that he was with uh, minnesota last year and now uh doing the same thing for the new york jets is good he's not a bad spot starter um you know i don't expect him to throw a lot of deep passes but he can be competent at times and um that's not it's the real question is what kind of protection is he going to get um it didn't seem like the Jets had the greatest pockets for Donald, and he was under pressure last week, which is a little bit why we didn't see many balls go to Robbie Anderson. Uh, Simeon is a guy I've reflected in the past with the Broncos when they haven't been able to protect him and give him a pocket. It's been a little bit of a rough go. Fortunately, he does have a weapon like Bell to keep him honest, um, and they're at home, so I think that'll help Monday Night Lights. Uh, hopefully it'll be a somewhat decent game. He's got some decent weapons uh, and some guys that he's been familiar with in the past.
0: Yeah, and I I know that he is with a completely different team now, and you were just talking about Le'Veon Bell being that dump-off for him. We cannot take for granted how well Le'Veon Bell has played against the Cleveland Browns. Again, I know that was with Pittsburgh, and obviously you've got a Cleveland defense that is much better than they were in the past, but Le'Veon Bell has consistently beat up on the Cleveland Browns. That's not something I just want to look past. I imagine Bell has a really good game tonight as well as, as Jamison Crowder, as we were just about to talk about. I think if Chris Herndon was – able to play as well obviously he can't with the suspension I think Herney would have a big game here uh yeah. excited to see him come back as well now uh, but I, I, he can't go back to week five I think and I still don't know if Darnold will be back but Chris Herner, I think is gonna be a key cog there someone uh, I did want to mention definitely looking at picking up in your waiver wires if not this week at least next week because he can come back soon before we get into picking this game I'm going to go a little selfishly here. So what do you think the Cleveland Browns defense can do for fantasy points tonight? Because I need a decent game out of them tonight, and I'm a little worried about what they might do. I think this could be not necessarily a high-scoring game, but a lot closer than some people are predicting.
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. We we thought they were going to have a pretty ferocious uh, defense coming into the season. Didn't see that against Tennessee. Wondered if maybe Tennessee is better than we thought they were. But seeing what the Colts did against them yesterday. I'm not so sure. I, I think we're still at that point in the season where the jury's really out. If you are looking for the Browns to be uh, what the Patriots were yesterday, you'll probably be disappointed. But if you're looking for them not to give you negative points, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I, I would like a, bet on the Browns defense over the Jets defense if I had to pick one out of this game.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm betting on like, I need like six points out of them tonight. So I need like some kind of yeah. touchdown or something. Or just, like, no points? I don't know. I need something because I I need to win. back.
1: I think six points, you know, six to ten points is reasonable. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a turnover and a sack. And I don't, you know, the Jets only put up 16 points last week. I don't think they're going to go hog wild. I don't think we're in for, you know, like what we had the opener of last Monday night. 30-28 uh, kind of game, I, I think this might be in the teens and low 20s, to be perfectly honest.
0: Well, I hope so, because if not, I will be blowing up your Twitter all night long, because I'm not going to be a happy camper. So let's go ahead and get into the predictions here. Who do you have winning this game tonight?
1: Um. Well, originally I had picked New York, but I, I think Cleveland's oh, going to win.
0: Really? How dare you? That hurts my feelings a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Well, I'm taking the Browns, obviously. I don't uh, – I will. I'll, as I've done every year in our FLA picks, regardless of whether I really thought they were going to win or not, I always pick the Browns. I know that means it's highly unlikely it's ever going to happen. They're not going to go 16-0, but every week I pick them regardless. Really excited for this game tonight, hoping they can bounce back and get back on the – get back off the schneid here because uh, they've got a tough couple games coming up, so they really need this one. So, let's go ahead now and jump into eight of the games from the Sunday Slate.
1: First and ten at the Lions 29 and Prescott goes screen right.
0: Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott. Touchdown.
1: 2nd down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, jump runs, he's in it, 15, he's in it, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40! pocket, he'll fire to the right side, caught by Nick.
0: So let's go ahead and kick this one off with the Buffalo Bills at the New York Giants. Bills win in this one 28-14. Josh Allen continues to be a viable QB1 for fantasy. 19-30, 253 yards in the air with a touchdown. Also adds 21 yards rushing with a touchdown as well to finish as QB9 on the week with 28.9 points. Devin Singletary had a really good game until pulling up Lane with a hamstring injury. Still not a lot of news right now on how serious it is. Obviously, we will be both here again tomorrow recording as well, so if we get more news, we'll definitely address it. During this podcast or at the latest tomorrow, but 57 yards on six carries and a touchdown. I, I, like I said, I really liked out of what I saw out of him. I was at a, a bar with a couple friends watching a bunch of the games, and I was focused in on this one with what he was doing really good until he went down. Finishes RB 22 on the week with 11.7 points. Frank Gore. Uh, And this one likely the guy going to replace him, at least for as long as he's out, finishes RB9 with 16 points on the week 68 yards, 9 carry, I'm sorry, 19 carries, and a touchdown. Also added 15 yards and two receptions. John Smokey Brown or Smokey John Brown finished 72 yards on seven catches. For 14 points, finishing as wide receiver, 32. And then Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley coming in a little bit behind him. Wide receiver, 38, 39. 12 points for McKenzie. 12 points for Beasley. McKenzie, 40 yards on two catches and a touchdown. Cole Beasley, though, 83 yards on four catches. The Bills are 2-0. Again, against a fairly weak defense this week. But Frank Gore, do you think he's got a lot of fantasy value with uh, Devin Singletary out right now, or is he more of a flex starter for you?
1: I think he's more of a flex starter. Um, you know, Josh Allen had a rushing TD yesterday, too, and that's always been the danger even last year is that Allen's going to call his own number at the goal line. also like to see Buffalo Against maybe some stouter competition, they were really held in check and looked terrible before the Jets lost uh, their big defensive players in Week One, and that allowed them to kind of rally. And then, you know, we've seen the Giants for two weeks; they don't really have a professional defense.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm- I agree with what you said there on Allen and Gore. That's going to be my biggest worry about Gore going forward. If you have Devin Singletary, I would try and get Gore if he's on your waiver wires. Just because we don't know for sure right now how long Singletary will be out. It's likely going to be Frank Gore getting most of the run. TJ Yeldon getting the passing work. But the fact that they use Josh Allen so much in the red zone with his legs worries me for Frank Gore's touchdown upside, I think. Uh, Josh Allen will get a lot more of those carries in the red zone than Frank Gore, although Frank Gore did run over some dude uh, in that game yesterday. So, uh, I mean, good on him and and still looking good for the spry age of, I think, 35 or 36 at this point. So uh, still looking good for where he's at. For the Giants side of things, it looks like we are possibly moving closer to the Daniel Jones era. So Eli Manning, still not a bad game passing yards wide's at least. 26-45, to 250 uh, yards in the air. One touchdown, two interceptions. QB 21 with 18 points. Saquon Barkley, uh, still a stud. 107 yards on 18 carries and one touchdown in this one. Did add 28 yards on three catches to finish his RB 5 on the week with 22.5 points. Benny Fowler and TJ Jones, who uh, had to step up a little bit in this one with all of the injuries and then obviously... Uh, no, just the, just the injuries. I don't know what else thinking there 51 yards on five catches for Fowler TJ Jones 38 yards on three catches for a touchdown Fowler finishing his wide receiver 33 with 13 points Jones wide receiver 36 with 12 points and then Evan Ingram a little bit of a slower game here compared to what he did last week 48 yards on six catches finishes his tight end 11 with 10 points in this one the Giants side of things I mean is it really worth looking at anybody outside of Barkley or Ingram anymore on this team
1: no and and ingram you know is going to be week to week what i think we saw here you know some weeks you're going to get the touchdown and some weeks you're not i get the uh the desire to see daniel jones because of what he did in the preseason but honestly if you think daniel jones is the future i would not be rolling him out right now they don't have much of anything in the way of receiving wait and see if you can get Sterling Shepard back golden Tate back some weapons back. Then you give Daniel Jones a fair shake because the worst thing in the world would be to throw a rookie quarterback out with no defense and not a lot, not much in the way of offensive skill position players in the passing game and hope to see magic.
0: Yeah, I think the only one I'm really feeling comfortable starting is obviously Saquon Barkley. I don't think matchup matters. They could go up against the, you know the the Ravens right now looking like they have one of the the better defenses in the league. I'd still trust to start Saquon Barkley. I agree with you. I think you have to throw Ingram out there just based on the volatility of the tight end position. Uh, but most weeks, I, for me at least, I would feel uncomfortable with that more weeks than not right now because they just don't have anybody else. Maybe when Shepard gets back, that helps. And even Tate, really. You're looking at what week five, I think, is when at least Tate will come back. Shepard's still in the concussion protocol. Maybe you'll feel a little yeah. bit better about Ingram because they can't just focus in on him. But at least for these next couple weeks, you got to throw him out there unless you've got – and even then, I imagine you, there's no way you've got one of the top three unless it's a dynasty league. Maybe you were able to get a, an Ebron or a Hawkinson or Andrews late. Yeah. If you've got one of those guys, I feel comfortable throwing him over Ingram. But at this point, you got to throw Ingram out there and just hope for the best.
1: Just don't be me. Don't start Evan Ingram over Emmanuel Sanders because you're pessimistic about your own team.
0: No, you know what? That's not a bad call. We'll get to the Sanders thing, obviously, here at the end. But I don't – what he has done has just been absolutely phenomenal. But we'll we'll save the Sanders talk for when we get there because, I mean, my God, I saw the end of that game. That dude is just bawling out. 49ers and the Bengals. 49ers, 41, Bengals, 17. Jimmy G – uh, showed up this week and, and quite surprisingly had more than one touchdown on the week as well. 17-25, to 25, 297 with three touchdowns and an interception, added eight yards on the ground to get you 32.9 points, finished as QB6 on the week. Raheem Mostert, for all of you on the Dynasty Nerds chat the other day, I hope you started him like I told you to because he balled out in this one. 83 yards on 13 carries, added a uh, sixty-eight. Added 68 yards on three catches and a touchdown in the 38-9-yard touchdown catch. Really kind of helped boost him up this week. Finishes RB2 on the week with 25.6 points. Matt Breida got robbed in this one. Really still had a good day. Finishes RB14 with 14.2 points. Uh, He got you 121 yards on 12 carries. Added 11 yards on one catch, but did get vultured twice. By Jeff Wilson, Jr., who got you two touchdowns, 34 yards on 10 carries. Uh, Didn't really put his stats in here. I imagine nobody was starting him. But D... Bo Samuel comes through big in this one. 87 yards, 5 catches, and a touchdown to finish his wide receiver. 10 on the week, 20.4 points. Marquise Goodwin scores you a touchdown to finish his wide receiver. 20, 16.7 points, 77 yards, and a touch, as I mentioned. And then George Kittle, uh, another slow game for him somewhat. 54 yards on 3 catches to finish his tight end. 12 with 9.9 points. 49ers came through big here. Really kind of exploded against a Bengals defense that looked good against the Seattle Seahawks week one. Came back to earth a little bit in this one. Matt Breida, bad, as I mentioned, bad luck with the touchdowns. Hopefully you listened and started Raheem Mostert, as I mentioned. My big question, with we'll start with those two. Would you still feel comfortable starting Matt Breida, who did out-snap Mostert uh, for the most part, I believe, uh, when they were up 10 points? Uh, or when they was game was still kind of close uh he had 10 to uh, Mostert's eight so Matt Breida was still getting a majority of the carries there would you who would you trust starting moving forward Breida or Mostert
1: yeah I think Breida still is their number one in their first option and he did nothing for them to say hey you know, you're no good. He, all I did was average 10.1 yards for carry. So, I mean, very pedestrian, caught his only target for 11 yards. I think the thing is the Bengals are who we thought they were. They are not very good, especially on defense. Um, so game flow, I think, is what really dictated this because at the end of the game, they were throwing Jeff Wilson out there uh, and just letting Breida and Mostert chill because they want them for future games when it's going to be more competitive, when they're going to need them more. So that's a little bit of a bummer if you started Breida. I did in the league. I mean, it's hard to feel too bad because he still got you 13, 14 points, but obviously seeing the touchdowns of Ulchard is, is bad, but the 49ers, I think, are a little bit like... The New England Patriots, in the sense that you don't really you know all the running backs are going to play, and one or two of them is going to have a great game, and you can't put your finger on who's going to be the best one any single day. I think Mostert and Breeder are both worth a start. Well, Tevin yeah. Coleman's out. Um, probably the biggest thing I would have a concern about from a fantasy standpoint is if I was a Dante Pettis truther, because he, as far as I can see, didn't even get a target yesterday. That's a real bad sign that he's not a big part of their offense. Kittle, I think we were going to see a regression anyway. I think the fact that the 49ers actually have a good receiving core that's healthy right now is uh, the biggest drawback for him. He's no longer the best receiver out there, and he's still drawing heavy coverage. They're able to run. They're able to do a lot of things. The success of that team is actually a bit of a negative for him in terms of fantasy, um, and that might be something to watch going forward.
0: Yeah, that that was going to actually lead me to my next question, was was Debo Samuel. So he's someone that I grabbed late in a lot of drafts. I I liked his uh, ability to possibly be a stud coming out of the slot. And in all honesty, I thought that might hurt George Kittle. Now, I'm not someone who's necessarily panicking on George Kittle yet. Uh, He did have two touchdowns called back in week one. So had he gotten those touchdowns? he'd be rock solid right now. And he actually is ahead of what he was scoring last year at two weeks in. So still having a good year, tight end, kind of a volatile position as we talked about, but are you buying into Debo Samuel? And if he's on your waiver wire, are you trying to, I don't want to say blow your whole budget, but are you aiming as him to be one of those guys to grab?
1: Yeah, I think he definitely needs to be owned in all leagues. I mean, he had seven targets yesterday, and caught five of them for 87 and a touchdown. Um, I think he looks good. The other thing I would say with Kittle that we may need to watch, while he had an explosive season last year, he did that with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins uh, predominantly. So his actual chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he didn't start out with a big advantage over these other guys. So I think it's something that they're going to have to develop as they go through. He's still a good player. I don't think we're seeing a Gary Barnage season. I just think (laughs) the the success of the 49ers means... There's a lot more guys getting involved in the action and it's harder to pinpoint the one or two that are going to get everything. It's not like when we were just talking about the Jets where you want Crowder and you want Bell and that's pretty much it. The 49ers probably have seven or eight guys who could have a huge day and it's going to be more trying to figure out who is going to go off and who's going to be at least steady.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, Debo, he's a guy I grabbed late uh, because I thought he might eventually break out. If he's on your waiver wire, I would definitely grab him. I think it's nothing but upside coming from here. Uh, And then really quick on the... The Mostert and Breida situation, I agree with you. The only reason I, I talked up Mostert so much is he looked so good last year as well before he had that break in his arm. I think a uh, compound fracture in his arm uh, that ruled him out for the rest of the season. Uh, and he's more involved in the passing game than Breida is, and I don't expect the 49ers uh, to be up as much as they were against the Bengals this week. So I think he might get some more run. Coleman expected yeah. to be out for at least three to four more weeks. So you've got both these guys for at least a still- Pretty decent part of the fantasy season. And I agree with you. If if you own one or the other, depending on the depth of your leagues, I think e- each of them are easy flex plays because I think both are going to have a lot of fantasy value moving forward, especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense. On the Bengals' side, Andy Dalton does it again. Uh, QB8 on the week. Uh, really looked good here, especially... Somewhat surprising in a game that was a blow. I shouldn't say blow but not a not a close game at all with the 41-2, 17 tagline here. All right, so Dalton finished 26 to 42 for 311 yards, two touchdown, one interception. Again, QB eight on the week with 29.1 points. Joe Mixon struggled. Looked good early on. I will give him that, but obviously, I think the ankle issue kind of hurt him a little bit here. Finishes RB 44 with five points on the week, 11 carries for 17 yards. 10 catches 10 yards on three catches tyler boyd and john ross though do it again this week look like studs tyler boyd finishes at wide receiver 8 with 22.2 points john ross finishes as wide receiver 9 with 21.2 points tyler boyd 122 yards on 10 catches john ross 112 yards one touchdown on four catches and then tyler eifert Shows that he is still alive for fantasy, at least right now. Nine yards on three catches and a touchdown as well to finish his tight end 10 on the week with 11 points. This is now two games in a row. John Ross has been worth starting and finishes a top 10 wide receiver. Are you believing in John Ross? Is the hype real? Is this finally it? His breakout year. Are you playing John Ross every single week now moving forward assuming
1: health? I think it depends on the size of your league, but if you're in a deeper league, I think he's moved into that position where you have to put him at least in the flex consideration. He seems to be the big go target. I mean, he had a 66-yard bomb again yesterday, and when you're in that, Position, all it really takes is one. You know, what did we see with Tyler Lockett the first week? He caught only one ball, but it was for 44 yards in the touchdown. You end up with 11 PPR points. John Ross is in the same group. Is there going to be games coming up where he burns you? Yeah, there is. But I think with what we're seeing and with what they want to do, I think Zach Taylor's impact is more clearly being able to be seen. In the passing game. So I think Boyd and Ross both will have value going forward. My long-term concern for the Bengals is the same as it was at the beginning of the season. They have had a lot of injuries on the line. And I think Joe Mixon is a guy that people were taking as a top 10 running back. Just bank it. He's going to get all the touches. He may get a lot of touches. I think... You're seeing the beginning of a trend. He's banged up right now, sure, but they aren't able to open a lot of holes. They weren't opening a lot of holes last week. They're not opening a lot of holes this week. This is the same defense that let Ronald Jones run for 75 yards the week before, and Mixon can only get 17 behind that line. They get to play Baltimore twice. They get to play Pittsburgh twice. They're going to play the Browns twice. This is not going to be a good season if you're a Joe Mixon fan and owner.
0: Yeah, and that is why I was advocating so hard for people to pick up Giovanni Bernard because we can, we've can we seen what he can do in the receiving game and when they're behind. Now, he didn't do it yesterday. He, he looked really bad yesterday, honestly. Uh, but he was someone I was adv- advocating very hardly for as a last-round pick. Much like I was Debo Samuel, just based on his upside. Uh, Again, I didn't even mention Bernard, but seven yards on one catch and then six yards on six rushes. So just looked horrible yesterday. We'll see what he looks like moving forward. I personally don't think he's droppable, but I did see a notice this morning that he got dropped in a lot of leagues uh, over the the night just based on his poor performance against the 49ers. I tend not to to overreact too much to something like that, so I'm still rostering him. But someone uh, definitely I think worth looking at moving forward for the Bengals. Let's see here. My last question on them, obviously not really much to mention on Tyler Boyd, uh, all-out stud. Will be interesting to see how the splits might possibly work when A.J. Green comes back between those three, but with the volatility in the tight end position, we've talked about it already with a couple guys here. Are you adding Tyler Eifert? Is he someone that you're looking at trying to pick up and maybe plug in your lineup moving forward?
1: Well, Eifert has always had some value when he's been able to stay healthy. His biggest challenge has always been health, so um, there's always a chance getting a touchdown. I think any starting tight end for any of the teams, especially as you get into deeper leagues, has some kind of value because it's such a volatile position week to week.
0: All right, so next up, we got the Indianapolis Colts beating the, I'm sorry, the Detroit Lions beating the Los Angeles Chargers 13-10. On the Chargers side, Phillip Rivers 21-36, 293, and an interception to finish as QB 26 with sixteen point one seven points. Austin Eckler does it again. I mean, my goodness. 66 yards on 17 carries and a touchdown adds 67 yards on six catches to finish his RB4 on the week with 23.3 points. Keenan Allen, I think, has a really good game here. Wide receiver, 16. Uh, finishes with 17.8 points, 98 yards on 8 catches, and then Mike Williams, wide receiver 41 on the week with a uh, 11.3 points in this one, 83 yards on 3 catches, which was a little surprising to me, as, uh, as banged up as we thought he was going to be coming into this one with the knee. Again, they they struggled a little bit here against the Lions defense that maybe we're not giving enough credit to. They've looked good now here two games in a row. Really kind of put the stomp on Kyler Murray the week before. Really did a good job against this Chargers offense here. My real main question here is Eckler. We were both guys who were really big on Justin Jackson coming into the year, especially with as late as you could get him. Has realistically not done anything, especially with compared to the amount of work Austin Eckler has put in and got. Is it time to give up on Justin Jackson?
1: No, I don't think so. He still, to, uh, to me, looked like the better pure runner yesterday. 59 yards on seven carries. He had a 40 yard run. He had a huge touchdown run that was called back uh, for the Chargers. And I think that was a. There's been a couple of problems uh, that are plaguing them early in the season. Uh, they had several um, big plays called back due to penalty yesterday when I was watching. And also, Mike Badgley, their kicker, has been out. And. Um, it wasn't great, you know. They were able to overcome that in week one and to build uh, a little bit of a lead and and to play that way. But yesterday, he their punter has been filling in as the place kicker, and there's a reason he's the punter and not the place kicker. Um, one for three on field goals uh, kind of set them back. I think you'd have a different game. Chargers also. Um, what's going to be fascinating to see Eckler clearly the better receiving back. and uh, the Chargers defense took another blow. They already had Derwin James out. They lost their other safety with a broken arm. So that is going to be tough, I think, for them going forward, especially with some of the pass-happy teams they're going to be facing. So that, that to me, is a bigger challenge than what Jackson has looked good, I thought, when he's come in. He's had a few plays in both games called back because of penalties. Eckler, a better receiver, if Jackson can start getting more of that passing work or the Chargers can build a lead I think you might see Jackson milk in the clock
0: yeah and just we also have to mention too Eckler is someone who has a long extensive injury history as well so if he goes down at all Justin Jackson is going to be a top 12 running back for fantasy moving forward because uh, I do think he can do it in the receiving game as well uh, you know was a phenomenal receiver for Northwestern in college uh, broke all kinds of records for them then rushing and receiving the ball in college so not a guy to overlook if you have the bench depth Definitely keep him on there. If he's someone you have to drop right now to grab somebody, I would try and pick him back up as quickly as you can because, again, Eckler, a guy with an extensive injury history, uh, and if he goes down, it's going to be all Justin Jackson all day long. For the Detroit Lions side here, Matt Stafford regresses back to the means a little bit in this one, finishes his QB 15 on the week with 24.6 points, 22 of 30, 245, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So carry on Johnson have a huge bounce back week here finishing his RBA sixteen point eight points on the week forty one yards on twelve carries also added forty seven yards on two catches and a touchdown phenomenal touchdown catch and run on that screen pass by the way bobbled it like three times in the air before he caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. Kenny Galladay finishes as wide receiver 4 on the week with 27.2 points in this one 117 yards on 8 catches and 1 touchdown Marvin Jones though struggles again in this one 43 yards on 5 catches to finish as wide receiver 43 with 10.8 points and then Jesse James not TJ Hawkinson finishes the best tight end for them tight end 25 with 4.8 points doesn't really do much uh, I mean just 18 yards on 3 catches Hawkinson just 1 catch for 7 yards so So. Stafford comes back to the means a little bit here. Not surprising. We both thought that might happen. Kind of a really good week for him against Arizona. Uh, on Johnson bounces back. Kenny Galladay looks like he's becoming the number one there. Hawkinson struggles a little bit. Are you worried about Hawkinson? And are you worried about Marvin Jones, who's really kind of been a, surprisingly to many, a top 12 to 15 guy every single year, has really not done much these first two weeks.
1: I don't know if we know what the real Detroit Lions are going to be yet. Um, Two wildly disparate games, it feels like, uh, offense and game flow. I mean, uh, week one, Danny Amendola had 13 targets to lead the team yesterday. He didn't even get a single target. Hawkinson, I I think week one was a little bit of a high aberration for him. Yesterday was probably a little bit of a low aberration for him. The truth of what he's going to be this season is probably somewhere in between. Rookie tight ends... Can be a mixed bag. Um, and game flow, the way they're defending. Uh, the Chargers obviously a better defense. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Carry on Johnson had some decent numbers, but I, I have been a little surprised they haven't committed to running more. He only had 12 carries for 41 yards. Um, and it's not like the game was far out of reach. Stafford, a couple of mistakes, uh, but managed to get it done when it mattered the most. And I think the Lions have actually come out, and aside from that hideous fourth quarter in Arizona, have looked a little bit better than I thought they were going to be this season.
0: I know. John Hamler's spoke it into existence, and here they go, baby. I think uh, before we move on to the Vikings-Packers game, the one thing I will say for the Detroit Lions Maybe we got it all wrong on Daryl Bevel just running the ball the entire time. They've thrown the ball a lot more than I expected with him coming over there being the offensive coordinator. The Lions are. You're right. They're looking like a much better team. Maybe Maybe we should have listened, been listening more to John Hammers when we had him on the prediction episode instead of all laughing at him. So uh, I'm interested to see where they go moving forward.
1: Of course, his prediction was predicated on Kerryon Johnson running for 2,000 yards, so
0: True, and he's slowly making his way there, especially after this week. Not much in the first week, but definitely a much better week moving forward for him. The Vikings lose in, in frustrating fashion here to the Green Bay Packers on the Viking side. So, Kirk Cousins, maybe he showed us why he only threw the ball ten times in week one. 14-32, 230 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Did add 17 yards rushing to finish as QB 27 on the week with 14.4 points. Dalvin Cook continues to be an absolute monster. Finishes his running back one this week. 28.1 points, 154 yards on the ground with 20 carries and a touchdown uh, and adds 37 yards on three catches. Adam Thielen has a fairly good week. Uh, wide receiver thir- only finishes as wide receiver 37, though, with 12.5 points. 75 yards on five catches. Stephon Diggs, one catch, 49 yards, and a touchdown to finish as wide receiver 51 with 9.9 points, though did have two touchdowns called back in this one. The Vikings, I mean... Should they throw the? Should they run the ball thirty times? Are we worried about Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs here? Better days to come. I'm freaking out because I own Diggs and Cousins in a lot of leagues. What is your thoughts on this offense?
1: Yeah, honestly, um, I think it might be start. Time to start panicking a little bit. Um, we thought it was just going to be a no-brainer that Diggs and we were going to be top receivers. And my cousins was going to look good. He didn't look good at times last year. They blamed it on not having a good line, not having a good running game. Those two things appear to have been corrected. And he appears to be getting worse, his decision-making, uh, as somebody commented Last night, his interceptions and where he was throwing them looked like something you'd expect from a rookie, not from a seasoned veteran and one who is being paid such an enormous amount. I mean, yeah. he had a QBR yesterday of four. Um, I think if you're a Minnesota fan, it's it's a moment of pause.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. I am. I am legitimately freaking out. Like I'm happy that right now my team that I really I have him on that's a big deal and I'm 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 sucking. Pretty bad right now, so I have a high waiver claim likely again this weekend. Josh Allen is available, and that is who I am targeting. But yeah, as a Kirk Cousins owner in a lot of leagues, I'm officially freaking out right now. I know it's only two games, and we talked about after week one don't overreact too much. But I am a little bit right now because Stephon Diggs and I mean Adam Thielen is getting a lot of targets and still five catches, seventy-five yards. That's a good day. I can live with that. Now maybe I shouldn't freak out so much as I said. Stephon Diggs did have two touchdowns called back. One of them was questionable. The other was offensive pi. So I mean that's on Stephon yep. Diggs, but. I'm hoping it's just a hamstring issue that he had in week one, maybe still lingering a little bit in this one, uh, but he has not looked like the same guy, and not a top 12 wide receiver in my opinion these first two weeks, and this is a guy that I thought might have a better season than Thielen overall, and that does not look like that's going to come true at the moment, so I am someone who is freaking well, out and a lot. Well, I mean,
1: seven targets, and he only gets one reception, but yeah. part of it, you have to wonder about the quarterback, Cousins, 14-32. and 32. He's sub-50% completion percentage, two INTs, and a fumble. So three turnovers and below percentage. And that's with a running back who ran for 154 yards on 20 carries. Yeah. So he's getting the support that he wasn't getting last year. This was an eminently winnable game. They had many chances down the stretch, and he's the one that squarely couldn't do it.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, like if we're all being honest, too— Week one, the only reason he salvages his fantasy days is because he gets the rushing touchdown. So, that I mean, he's... I, I I guess I could say... Well, no, I have to be worried about Diggs and Thielen as well because they have to get the ball from Cousins. So, I personally am worried about all three of them. Dalvin Cook, obviously, outside of injury, he's good to go. I mean, he might be the guy that that we're talking about next year as the mixing. We were all talking about mixing kind of being that running back six right outside those top five. I think if Dalvin Cook continues putting this up, he might work his way in to that conversation with DJ, Gurley, uh, I'm forgetting the others for some reason, Barkley, Zeke, CMC. He might work his way in with the way he's been playing right now. And and the one thing I will say, and if you really are a big Vikings fan and you don't want to freak out so much, this Green Bay Packers defense does look legit. This two weeks in a row they have looked really good. So let's hope that that's the only reason. But, man, did Kirk Cousins, like we both said now, did not look that great in week one either. So let's hope that maybe it was just the defense, and I'm just going to lean on that right now because I need them to be better. For the Packers side of things, Aaron Rodgers did not look that great in this one either. Finishes his QB 17 with 23.8 points. 22 of 34, 209 yards and two touchdowns. did yell at Matt LaFleur apparently a lot as well. From what I'm told, I did not see that. Uh, Aaron Jones uh, had a great day against what I thought a really good defense that he would not do. 23 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown here. 34 yards on four receptions. Uh, and, and then Devontae Adams, wide receiver, 11. Oh, uh, Jones, RB3, 25 points. I forgot to mention that. Adams, wide receiver, 11 on the week. With 19 points, 106 yards on seven catches, so he bounces back big time after a pretty bad week one for him. I think the offense has looked good. Uh, obviously, Adams just proved he's exactly who we thought he was. Again, just one bad week against the Bears, no worries about there. My biggest question is going to come down to Aaron Jones. We talked about it last week. Him and Jamal uh, Jamal Williams are really kind of splitting carries a lot. Jamal Williams got a lot more of the receiving work in this one, and same split really again this week. Are you worried at all if you have Aaron Jones and you are counting on him uh, immensely uh, moving forward in the fantasy season? Does Jamal Williams worry you, or are you fine moving forward with Aaron Jones?
1: I actually thought uh, the split this week was somewhat encouraging. Aaron Jones had 23 carries to 9 for Williams. Jones had 6 targets in the passing game to 4 for Williams. Um, I think part of it is... They are going to mix in and uh, play a little bit. I think we're seeing all these teams, even with backs who are going well and who are big and tough, trying to keep them sturdy for the long run. I think everyone took a beat and took a lesson from what happened to Todd Gurley last year, including the Rams. You don't have to burn your running back out in September. You want them, if you think you're going to be a good team, to be available to you in December. So I think we're going to see more of these splits. Jones obviously looked really good in the touches he got looked uh, really good made the most of it somewhat interesting i know minnesota has a good defense green bay at home jumps out puts up 21 points early 14 in the first quarter Held scoreless in the second half that might be where you're seeing some of the frustration from rogers that was what allowed minnesota to kind of hang around and have a chance to come back if their defense hadn't sewn it up so Not a complete game from Green Bay yet. They looked good at times in Week 1. They looked good at times in Week 2. It was a very surreal experience to be watching Red Zone yesterday, knowing the Vikings and the Packers were playing, and not have them come up much at all in the second half. That was really a testament to the fact these offenses sort of wilted down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and just want to touch on Geronimo. Allison did have a really nice touchdown grab in that one as well. Just four for 25 in the touchdown, though. Uh, I'm still not sold on him or MVS moving forward. MVS 19 yards on three catches. So yeah. still need to see one of those two take a step forward. The only one in that receiving game I'm trusting right now is, is Devontae Adams. But, but definitely more encouraging out of Allison considering he got 0-0-0 all week one. So the fact that he actually did something this game is what was encouraging to say the least.
1: Next yeah, three. I think oh, go the Packers, it's pretty much those three, Jones, Adams, and Rodgers is all you feel good about. Jimmy Graham, too, looked great in week one, not a single catch yeah. yesterday. So it feels like the supporting cast for the Packers is going to evolve from week to week.
0: Yeah, exactly. Unless one of those guys gets hurt, I'm, I, like you just said, I, it's evolving, and I'm not going to trust either one of them either. Uh, Colts and Titans. Colts pull off the win here, a little bit surprising. 19-17. to 17. For the Colts side, Jacoby Brissett continues to look good as their starting quarterback. Uh, not doing much, though, in the air, at least passing yards wise. Does get three touchdowns 17 28, 146, and an interception. Finishes as QB 10 on the week with 28.09 points. Marlon Mack regresses to the not great running back that I think he is. Running back 30 with 8.3 points uh, in this one. 51 yards on 20 carries. My goodness. T.Y. Hilton gets bailed out a little bit with a touchdown in this one, finishing as wide receiver 26, 15.8 points, four receptions, 43 yards, and the touchdown. Eric Ebron finishes as tight end nine on the week, gets you view a touchdown, three catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown. Paris Campbell shows up in this one, a touchdown, a 12 yard touchdown catch to finish as wide receiver 55, with 8.2 points. Again, Colts offense win. Great game with Jacoby Brissett. If you're a MAC believer,
1: are you a MAC believer? I cannot remember if you are or not. I am not. Fantastic.
0: That's why I like having you on here and not Dennis. I'm just kidding, buddy, because I know you're going to listen to this later. Uh, so Mac regresses back to the means a little bit. I've never been a big Mac guy. Obviously, again, we talked about it, me and you, last week. He's done those huge games before and then has three or four bad games. So is that what you're expecting from him right now? Not a great game uh, against a Titans defense that we did see slow down Nick Chubb, but not even Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had a better game than this. I would say Chubb's a better running back, but does this worry you if you are a Mac owner?
1: Yeah, I mean, Mac broke free for a couple of big plays against the Chargers, and I think we saw the Chargers give up a couple of big plays against Detroit too, so it might just be a little bit of a flaw. In their defense, if I'm looking at the Colts right now, the only one I'm feeling confident about starting week to week is Hilton probably as a wide receiver too. It looks like game flow and the way they're going to have to play and the division they're playing in might make it a little bit of a toss-up week to week. I mean, <clears throat> Brissette had seven carries himself on Sunday. Mac got the carries, didn't get the greatest production. Tennessee has a... Pretty good defense. There'll be better days for him. I don't know if he's just an automatic. We're putting him in a different tier where you can feel good about that. Uh, I think Mac might be one of those guys that you look based on the matchup.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Before we move on to the Titans side, uh, obviously just one catch for twelve yards on Paris Campbell. Uh, I liked obviously seeing that. Uh, still need to see him get a little bit more involved in the offense, but he's a guy that I was hoping would take a step forward with Funchess out. Didn't really see it. Deion Kane uh, was a guy we saw a little bit of in week one, uh, kind of take a step forward once Funchess came out. Would love to see Campbell get more involved in this offense, but I agree with you. Uh, before we move on Titans action, real quick, are you worried about T.Y. Hilton? Obviously great week one, a little bit of a struggle this week too, or you just kind of expect this to happen with T.Y. Hilton? Still an easy wide receiver two plug and play.
1: I think he's a low end wide receiver too. Um, i guess in 2017 when he had a full season with brissette he finished as wide receiver 27 i think they're a touch better the colts are but i could still see him being in the wide receiver 18 to 25 range all right let's jump on to the
0: titan side here so uh much like marlon mack uh Marcus Mariota kind of regresses back to the meets had a good game there against the Cleveland Browns not so much here against the Indianapolis Colts 19 to 28 154 with a touchdown finishes his QB 19 with 20 points Derrick Henry I guess we're about to have this discussion cuz I know neither one of us are big Derrick Henry fans either 81 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown, adds 12 yards on two catches to finish his RB7 on the week with 17.3 points. Corey Davis, the really only big wide receiver to do anything, 38 yards on three catches here to finish his wide receiver, 66 with 6.8 points. Delaney Walker continues to do good things for them, though. Tight end, 13 on the week with seven points. Leading uh, receiver, 39 39 yards on four catches. I mean... Really outside of Delaney Walker, who I think, again, depending on who your tight ends are, I think he's an easy plug-and-play. Uh, nobody else I'm really thinking about, like A.J. Brown, like his upside, but I, I've got to see it more often than what I saw out of Week 1. But Derrick Henry, neither one of us are believers in him. Is it time to go to the Church of Henry? Is it time to become a believer? Should we get converted, or you think it's just two good games, and he's going to regress like Mac? What are your thoughts?
1: I think they're committing to him and with the volume that he's getting um it seems like there's some more consistent commitment there. So for the time being, I think you got to say he's in the in the RB2 category. I'm with you. There's no piece of the passing offense that I feel confident starting week to week. Who knows if it's going to be Corey Davis, Jay Brown, if Mariota's going to throw for less than 100 yards, but and Dion Lewis, frankly, is unplayable. I mean, one target, three carries. He seems like an afterthought. It was more of an even split when they started out last year, and you could have made a case for Lewis. But it seems like they are banking on Henry, and they're putting all their eggs in the Henry basket. And <clears throat> this week especially, he gets a Thursday night matchup against the Jaguars, and that was sort of his coming out party on a Thursday night last yeah. year. I think you just got to stick with him until we see them going away from him.
0: All right, next up, we've got the New England Patriots just completely blowing out the Miami Dolphins, 43-0. I want to nothing. We'll start with the Dolphins' side since there's really nothing to talk about here. Oh, my goodness, it's just so sad. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 11-21 for 89 yards and three touchdowns to finish his QB 34 on the week with .9 points. Kenyon Drake, I mean, serviceable day if you had to play him as possibly a flex starter. 19 yards on six carries, added 29 yards on five catches to finish his RB 27 on the week with nine points. Uh, and, and then Preston Williams, I just want to touch on him because, again, a guy that I've hyped up, Dennis is hyped up again, finishes the best wide receiver here with absolute direct at quarterback. 63 yards and four catches to finish his wide receiver 47 on the week with 10 points. I mean, really, there's no one you're trusting here. I know Josh Rosen came in again and played. Maybe we're going to see more of Rosen eventually, 97 yards, 7-18 in an interception. Uh, but really, outside of maybe Kenyon Drake is like a a low-end flex play, someone you're just praying gets a touchdown. Outside of him, though, I can't imagine you're playing anybody on this Dolphins offense.
1: Yeah, the Dolphins are a fantasy wasteland. I. I'm not playing anyone, and it it looks like they really should move uh, to see what they have in Josh Rosen. And I had thought previously uh, if there was going to be any chance for fantasy value, it was going to come from gunslinging Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think right now that's just a no. However, if you are playing opposite them, you know, congratulations, all you owners oh, of Dallas God, Cowboys fantasy pieces. Oh,
0: don't even get me started. I'm in another league where a guy is a. Very high scoring for defenses, and the Patriots defense put up 65 points on me this week, so it's very easy yeah. to say that that's going to be an L again, thanks to the uh, yeah. freaking I don't even want to get started on that. So the Patriots side of things, because they did wonderful things for fantasy. Tom Brady, 20-28, to 264 yards and two touchdowns, and finishes QB5 on the week with 33.6 points. Was expecting to see more of Sony Michel than we got in this one. Uh, he finishes his RB20 on the week, really saves his day with that touchdown, finishes with 12.5 points in this one. 85 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown. James White, 10 yards on three rushes, also adds in 10 – I'm sorry – uh, adds uh, 19 yards on three catches and a touchdown to finish as running back 21 with 11.9 points. Antonio Brown really gets featured a lot in that first drive, three catches for 50 yards, and then gets one more catch in that one for a touchdown. Uh, did get targeted eight times altogether, just the four grabs, but finishes as wide receiver 24 all the week with 16.1 points. And then Julian Edelman, wide receiver 52 with 9.2 points in this one, 51 yards on four catches me and dennis talked about it we also talked i also talked about it with you ab coming over we thought it would affect josh gordon and it really did in this game do you think that continues or do you think slash hope that was just them scripting so much to antonio brown in that first game bads Dol- bad dolphins team will see more of gordon moving forward
1: yeah, it's hard to take away anything concrete from this game in terms of game flow for either team because the Dolphins were so bad. And I mean, the Patriots defense scored a bunch of points, especially in that second half. So it really took the pressure off even trying. You're not going to waste your big guys out there. The other thing to that bears watching is do the Patriots have Antonio Brown available to them every week? His accusers meeting with the NFL yeah. today. We could see some movement. I know there was a lot of outcry that he was allowed to play. I think that's a murky situation that bears watching. The other thing that I think could hurt Gordon is we saw Philip Dorsett again have quite a role. He caught three for 39. Um, I think both the presence of Dorsett and Brown will take chunks out of Gordon. I like Gordon's talent or have for the last few years but it's hard to say what his role is going to be outside of julian edelman i don't think we know what anyone's role is going to be on a patriots offense from week to week especially when they're playing teams like miami that it's a cakewalk
0: yeah the the one upside i will bring to the gordon conversation though He got five targets, so that was second behind A.B. Now, it was only one ahead of White and Edelman, but still five targets, just got two catches for 19 yards. So if you are someone like you, A. and me, who both like Josh Gordon and his talent a lot, look at that part of it and say, hey, he did get targeted right outside of A.B. And again, four of those eight targets came on that first drive, where we do know a lot of NFL teams like to script their first drive. I do think part of that was just trying to get A.B. the ball a lot, but... Again, when you have a guy like uh, Antonio Brown, who's going to be a walk-in Hall of Famer, and then you add a guy like Julian Edelman in the slot, it's likely going to affect someone. It looks like it might be Gordon that gets affected in this one. Next up, we've got the Seattle Seahawks pulling off a very close win here over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 28 26, dropping the Steelers to 0 2, which makes me extremely happy. On the Seattle Seahawks side, Russell Wilson, 29 35, 300 yards and three touchdowns, and to finishes QB4 on the week with 37.45 points. Rashad Penny gets a huge touchdown run to really help him out in this one, a 37 yard run for 60, gets 62 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown to finish his running back. 17 with 13.5 points. Chris Carson gets you 60 yards on 15 carries. Also adds 27 yards on three catches to get you running back 28 on the week with 9.7 points. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both having decent games here. Lockett, 79 yards on 10 catches to finish his wide receiver, wide receiver 14 with 17 points. And uh, this one in the DK Metcalf, 61 yards on three catches and a touchdown to finish as wide receiver 29 on 15.5. One points. For me, Russell Wilson, still obvious great starter at quarterback, not worried about him at all. I still think Chris Carson is the guy here, not Rashad Penny. Again, Carson did have two fumbles, likely would have had a better day, obviously, without those. Rashad Penny does get the one big run to bolst his bolster his numbers. Still think that Chris Carson looked better overall, uh, did get five more carries than him, and obviously got work uh, five I'm sorry, you three targets in the receiving game compared to Penny's one. Uh, I'll, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So Lockett gets 12 targets this week, Metcalf seven, so really only five targets behind him. Your thoughts on Metcalf moving forward? Because he was a guy a lot of people thought was going to be a complete bust coming into the NFL because he can only run that one route. Well, guess what? Two weeks in a row, he's run that one route damn well and looked really good in two games. So your thoughts on the Carson-Penny split and Lockett and Metcalf?
1: Yeah, I think Carson, they still have faith in him going forward, even after that fumble that hurt them when it came to fourth and one to salt the game away. It was a carry by Carson, so obviously he hasn't lost the faith of the coaching staff. He's out there in those critical situations, and uh, you know, Penny will have some week-to-week fantasy value. You have to see what it's going to be. Big, long run helps him there. Um, In terms of receivers, you know, Lockett, 12 targets, got 10 receptions. It was nice to see him back to being a focal point after kind of a tough week one. Metcalf, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that's always going to have that ability to catch a touchdown and make things happen. They liked his size, especially as they get closer to the goal line. Not super surprising. I think if you're relying on him as a as a wide receiver too, that's a tough sell. But if you're playing him as a flex with upside, depending on the matchup, Um, We can see that. And, you know, he seems to be growing. Let's see what he can do uh, in this offense and as they keep going along. Uh, I was also encouraged to see Will Disley, a guy who I liked at the beginning of last year who really flashed and then had an unfortunate injury. Five targets, five catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns. They were looking for him in the red zone. I think uh, that's kind of an encouraging sign. We've talked about the tight end position. Um, this was a game where we saw two guys that have been potential flyers at the tight end position. Both have big days, which could be a good sign going forward.
0: Yeah, Disley, 22 points in fantasy. I forgot to mention, especially because I thought he was actually going to be out. There was a lot of talks that he might not even play in that game. So, yeah, good call by you to to throw him in there. Uh, And we'll obviously touch on Vance McDonald as well here for the Steelers when we get to that side. So the Steelers will save the Big Ben injury talk for the end here. Uh, Obviously gets injured in this game. Does go 8 for 15 and 75 yards before the injury, though, Uh, to finish as – Quarterback 30 on the week with just five points, but Mason Rudolph comes in and plays fairly well. 12-19, 112 in the air, two touchdown, one interception. QB 22 with 18.18 points. James Conner finishes his RB 16 on the week with 33 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 34 with 13.40 points 84 yards on five catches, did get eight targets here. And then, as you mentioned, Vance McDonald, or as you were talking about Will Disley, and another uh, tight end that stepped up in this one. Vance McDonald, 38 yards on seven catches, got seven targets in this one, two touchdowns, had himself a very good day, finishing at as tight end three on the week with 12, or I'm sorry, 22.80 points. So, Big Ben. Out for the entire year, he is having surgery, so that means it is Mason Rudolph time. Uh, I guess the big question for me on the Steelers' side is, how much does this affect all of these guys moving forward? Realistically, you're likely only starting Connor, Juju, and possibly Vance McDonald. How much does not having Big Ben affect them moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. We had assumed uh, that what we saw last year of a still pretty high-octane Steelers offense was going to just be what they were in 2019, that it didn't matter that Bell and Brown were gone. And I think we've seen these first two weeks, it mattered a little bit more than we realized. Connor got banged up in that game, too. That bear's watching, but only 11 carries for 33 yards, not exactly the kind of production we thought we were going to see. He catches three for 12, also gets a touchdown. That kind of helps save his fantasy day. But you really got to watch and see what's going to happen. Not that great behind him either. Jalen Samuels only catches one for 13 and has three carries for 18 yards. We're not seeing the explosion that we saw before. Um, and I think you have to be concerned, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think it drops him. I, he's a guy I thought had potential to be a top-five receiver now. I think he's more probably in the wide receiver two range. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with James Washington. A big, uh, a big part of the appeal of Mason Rudolph <clears throat> was that he was college teammates with James Washington, and they had a pre-established connection. If that's something they can get going, Washington I think has potential, uh, as does Deontay Johnson to be better in the receiving game. Honestly, if you're still rostering Dante Moncrief, please write us a letter and explain why.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not, I don't even want to read it. You can just throw after you write it and you read it and realize what a mistake you're making, you can then just crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Uh, I am with you on the James Washington thing, uh, not only just in college, but in the preseason games, if you go back and look at their numbers, they've been had a phenomenal connection through that as well. So definitely someone possibly, depending on your roster depth, worth uh, taking a stab at this year, or this year, this week, if they're still on your waiver and seeing if he's possible, possibly able to produce with Rudolph. But I agree with you on Juju. Uh, unfortunately, I think this drops him almost to like a top-end wide receiver, too. Now Connor, uh, I mean, I'm still worried about Connor. I didn't have him as a top-12 running back this year anyways. I think that just continues Continues to help him fall Vance I'm not I'd still probably take a shot on Vance because again tight end volatility and everything maybe they look to him more in the red zone like they did this week with Rudolph uh he did get one of his touchdowns from I actually think got both of his touchdowns from Rudolph. yeah so, both. Yeah, so I mean they were already going to him already let's see what happens moving forward the last tight end is
1: a uh, young quarterback's best friend so exactly uh, that
0: is that is what everybody says uh the last game on the docket before we touch on the – the we just touched on the Big Ben injury. Obviously, there's two more injuries we want to talk about before we cut out of here. Um, the Bears-Broncos, a bad game for you, though I do think you guys got robbed in that one. Bears 16, Broncos 14 in this one. For the Bears side of things, Mitchell Trubisky just two games in a row now has not had a good game at all. 16 of 27, 120 yards, uh, does add 8 yards on the ground to finish as QB 29 on the week with 9.6 points. We see David Montgomery get a little bit more run here, which I loved seeing and also gets his first touchdown of his career. 62 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown uh, does finish as running back 15 on the week with 13.8 points. Tariq Cohen goes all the way down to running back 49 with 4.5 points, 18 yards on the ground with 4 carries at seven yards on two catches in this one and then anthony i'm sorry anthony my goodness alan robinson finishes as the best wide receiver on the week wide receiver 57 with eight point uh, 10 points 41 yards on four catches nothing else really happening with this entire team outside of alan robinson and david montgomery are you willing to trust anybody else on this bears offense
1: no, and you know, I, I'm not willing to go so far as to say I trust David Montgomery. Uh, I don't know if you watched all the game, but Montgomery did not actually score a touchdown. That was one of many uh, difficult calls. Um, I guess they're saying an infinitesimal piece of the nose of the ball touched. I felt like the referees just felt sorry for Montgomery because he'd had about six cracks down there at the goal and hadn't been able to get in. That was a touchdown, um,
0: sir. That was a touchdown. Don't you take that back from him.
1: That was not a touchdown, and I actually didn't think he looked too great in terms of flow. He had a couple of nice runs, had a couple of tough runs. I have a feeling that the running back rotation for the Bears is going to continue to be maddening from week to week because Mike Davis had a huge share in week one, and it was almost like they forgot that they were paying him to play football for them in week two. Cohen um, is always going to be hurt uh, by a lack of passing offense. Trubisky was sub 100 yards passing with nine seconds to go in the game. If he doesn't hit that 25-yarder on the last play, he finishes with about 90-something yards passing. So it was just not a – it was a weird game flow. Um, good defense, I guess. Chicago's defense is going to be a tough one to follow week to week. Robinson himself, I thought, got bailed out by that 25-yard catch at the end too because before that he had three catches for about 20 – or about six, 16 yards, something like that. Um, so there's going to be better days. Both of these offenses, in my opinion, are probably going to be maddening at times going forward. I would like to see another game where Montgomery gets the same touch and snap and share percentage before I say I'm back to feeling good about starting him as a flex or running back, too.
0: Well, I will happily start him every single week because I love me some David Montgomery, and it was a touchdown. On the Denver Broncos side here, so Joe Flacco, 35 of 50 for 292 yards, a touchdown and an interception to finish his QB 12 on the week with 26.43 points. Royce Freeman, 11 carries, 54 yards, um, and 48 yards on five catches, actually, to finish his RB 13 with 15.2 points. Philip Lindsey finishes his RB 24 with 10.6 points, 36 yards on 13 carries, and just 30 yards on four catches. Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver 2 on the week with 30.30 point, 30 points, 98 yards, 11 catches, a huge touchdown in the back of the end zone, and then Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 58 with 8 points in this one, 40 yards on 4 catches. Do want to mention Noah Fon, 33 yards on 4 catches. Good to see him involved a little bit in that offense. Before we get on to Emmanuel Sanders and this just amazing comeback from his injury, your thoughts on the freeman Lindsay split? because. Both fairly similar numbers, really, when it comes down to the the both, both got targeted uh, seven times. Freeman five catches, Lindsey four. Lindsey got more carries, but if I'm being honest, as much as it pains me to admit it, Freeman looked better at times. What are your thoughts on those two?
1: Well, Denver can't block, so um, their offensive line is abominable. Um, Philip Lindsey had... Two really big runs that were called back to penalties. Both times the penalty was well off the ball, um, which was maddening. Um, Freeman, I think, has benefited because when he's in there, often they have a fullback up in front of him. And with the situation that the line's in, I think they need that lead blocker. Um. So, it'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, but I thought I thought Freeman looked good in this game. He has developed as a pass receiver. The best thing, if you're a Bronco fan, is they've both developed to the point where we're not seeing Devontae Booker out there taking snaps. Um, in terms of Fant, he they they were hitting tight ends a lot. Jeff Hierman actually had more targets, five, and the same number of receptions, four, as Fant um, Fant. Killed them a couple of times. He actually had a holding penalty that wiped out one of Lindsey's plays. Um, He's a rookie. He's going to cut Margot. The only Bronco that I actually feel confident starting at this point in time is Emmanuel Sanders. He was good in week one. He was incredible yesterday. Um, Sutton's got talent Um, at times. He's going to be decent. Um, Wasn't a great day for him yesterday. Sanders, I think, is just at a different level. Uh, and he's playing in a contract year. He and Flacco seem to have a good connection. I actually thought Flacco looked good except for one throw where he apparently thought Emmanuel Sanders was seven feet tall (laughs) and fired it right to Kyle Fuller. But Denver is not going to be a good team if they can't figure out blocking. I thought Mike Munchak was going to help them, but I have not seen any improvement. I actually think some of their big players like Garrett Bowles have regressed, and it's, uh, it's very concerning to me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the blocking part. I remember distinctively saying it might have been even when you were on here with us that, uh... I thought that was the best free agent move any team made, bringing him over to improve that offensive line, and it has yet to show yeah. itself. Yeah, but again, it is still two weeks in, so let's calm down. I didn't know that about the Lindsay thing. I was flipping back and forth between a couple of games, so that does make me feel a little bit better that he had some a couple big runs called back, I mean, and the fact that he made big runs, because he did not look good from the parts that I saw, and that, that is my guy. We are best friends, so I'm glad to see that he was having himself a good game. Before we cut out of here, I do want to touch on, we obviously, again, already talked about the Big Ben injury. There were two big injuries as well for fantasy. Uh, let's talk about the Michael Gallup one first, because uh, I feel like that's going to be the easier one to talk about. So they trimmed his meniscus, where there was a lot of talk about this possibly happening with Darius Guys, guys got the full surgery. The meniscus trim means you can come back a little bit quicker. He's likely going to be out for two to four weeks Uh, I think this obviously immediately boosts Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb's value. Possibly Devin Smith. We saw him have a couple big plays in that game, but that would be a very deep league add if you're adding Devin Smith. Love the kid, former Buckeye national champion. Uh, But outside of that, I really think it's all Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb. Your thoughts on the Gallup injury?
1: Yeah, it's a bummer because he he was looking uh, pretty good. They're saying – Actually, it looks like they're saying he could miss two to four weeks if he gets the surgery. He's seeking a second opinion, okay, so gotcha. it would be interesting to see. could happen as soon as uh, tomorrow. Kind of a bummer. Um, obviously, a great matchup for the Cowboys this uh, week three there with <laughs> yeah. Miami, and then they get to play uh, New Orleans and facing a New Orleans without Drew Brees, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, they look like a real good team. Hard to see, hard to say what we're going to see, uh, Devin Smith. You know, Witten caught another touchdown. They have Randall Cobb, Amari Cooper. You could always just sit back there and give it more to Ezekiel Elliott. It was good to see Pollard get involved. They have an embarrassment of riches. it seems, all of a sudden, after where they started last season. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And you were speaking about Drew Brees. So he is going to be out for at least six weeks with the UCL in his thumb, I believe is what I read. He's having yep. surgery. I mean, I personally don't trust Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, You know, obviously wasn't expected to come in there. obviously liked what I saw out of him at one point in time in Minnesota, then obviously suffered the horrific injury. Uh, I'm glad to see him back on a football field, but I really think this affects Thomas. And Kamara's value Some, I wouldn't drop them really. I wouldn't drop them a whole lot. Kind of like the Connor Juju thing, but I think outside of those two, it makes every other New Orleans Saint practically in playable. Your thoughts yeah. on them?
1: No, that's exactly right. Thomas had a uh, somewhat decent day still yesterday, eighteen point nine points in PBR. I think he's still a low-end wide receiver one. Um, I still am holding on to hope for Kamara. Might actually help Latavius Murray a little bit. They may have to lean heavier on the running game, but if you're talking about passing assets, we hadn't seen Jared Cook develop into what we hoped he might be with Drew Brees. Without him, I'm not feeling that confident. And Ted Ginn, I, I believe, put up a goose egg yesterday. Traquan Smith come or go I mean a lot of those pieces only had value because Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara were the rising tide that lifts all boats and without them I think we're in it for some tough times it was a really it was a tough week for me I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl I picked the Chargers to be in the Super Bowl both of them whew, look like they have a tough road ahead
0: yeah, I mean the good news for for Saints fans is Drew Brees will be back, but the question at that point will be what is the shape of this team when he gets back in 6 weeks cuz there's a lot of things that could go wrong for them. So
1: Matt, thanks. the only good news uh-huh. for him is his division does not look very good right now. A lot of problems in Carolina, Tampa Bay kind of a middling team, Atlanta up and down. So if Teddy Bridgewater can keep them somewhere in there, they still have a chance to get in the playoffs and a fully healthy Drew Brees with the Saints going in the playoffs, anything could happen.
0: Yeah, the only bad news is with this the Brees injury means those Carolina Panthers are on the rise, and I was right about them after all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Matt. Uh, hope you enjoy the Monday Night Football game tonight, and hopefully uh, the Browns win, so I'm not going to be an ass the entire time on the podcast tomorrow, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow and breaking down the rest of these games in the Monday Night Football game.
1: Absolutely. Go Le'Veon Bell. Go Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with Bell going off as long as the Browns win, so I'm with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Prepare for glory! I
0: do you got your pop on.
1: I came like the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. No one up above his head. They can't jump with me,
0: God, lead. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.